live from the next cast, Phanthropological Institute. Today we're talking about fans of the Olympics. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phanthropological. My name is Nick G, and today we're going to be talking about the appeal of the Olympic Games. Here with me to do that today are my two best friends, Nick T. Uh, you can just call me Rowan Atkinson because I'm going to be playing <laughs> Chariots of Fire the whole time. Just hold on a sec. Uh, I'll just go wait. Will this do? <laughs> totally won't get annoying the whole time. And Nick Z? Uh, well, you know, uh, the Olympics are officially over. I got all five rings. Thanks for coming out, everybody. <laughs> no, you, you got it wrong. Oh. You're supposed to collect the seven rings. Seven. Because then you get the master ring. Uh, I mean, that, that makes sense. See, I'm super interested in your version of the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really just the first level of Sonic the Hedgehog on, uh, on Sega Genesis. You just, you just get five rings and then you win. You get all the... <laughs> I wonder if somebody's made a mod of that game to do that. That'd be... <laughs> <laughs> just like you beat the level that's it it's over i wonder if they make a crossover with the mario and sonic olympic mm. games games apparently they weren't terrible is what i've heard but i haven't well, played any of them huh. they're like mini game collections right it's just with sonic and mario characters you're sort of just simulating different olympic yeah. games via mini games on your on your wii or whatever yeah though we are not talking about sonic the hedgehog or mm. mario we are talking about the olympics <laughs> And I'm going to get us started talking about the Olympics uh, with some fandom facts. Fandom facts. This week, I cribbed the history and origins from Wikipedia because, unlike many of the fandoms that we talk about, the Olympic Games is really defined in terms of, you know, being the Olympics. So it makes more sense to go to something a bit more authoritative than to pull from something more anthropological like fanlore. Also, there's no information from Fanlore this week, so uh, we'll come back to that. So, according to Wikipedia, uh, the modern Olympic Games, or Olympics, are leading international sporting events featuring summer and winter sports competitions in which thousands of athletes from around the world participate in a variety of competitions. Uh, the Games are considered the world's foremost sports competition, with more than 200 nations participating. The Games are held every four years, with the summer and winter games alternating by occurring every four years, but two years apart. This was not always the case, but I don't know when they separated into different years. <laughs> Gee, you were looking that up before the cast. <laughs> Let me just go ahead and tell you. That would be... Okay, in 1956, they had two had them in the same year, but one was in Italy and one was in Australia. <laughs> okay. 1960, Italy, and then the U.S. And then... Nineteen ninety four, the Lillehammer was the first Winter Games to not not have a corresponding Summer Games on the same year. Wow! Wow, that was a lot more recent than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah, me too. Oh my goodness! The creation of the Olympic Games was inspired by the ancient Olympic Games, which were held in Olympia, Greece, from the eighth century BC to the fourth century AD. Baron Pierre de Coubertin. 
Coubertin, I guess, founded the International Olympic Committee in 1894, leading to the first modern games in Athens in 1896. The evolution of the Olympic movement during the 20th and 21st century has resulted in several changes to the Olympic Games. Some of these adjustments include the creation of the Winter Olympic Games for ice and winter sports, the Paralympic Games for athletes with a disability, and the Youth Olympic Games for teenage athletes. The Deaf Olympics and Special Olympics are also endorsed by the International Olympic Committee, uh, and the IOC has had to adapt to a variety of economic, political, and technological advancements. That's like a quick summary of the Olympics. I did not know, for example, that the Special Olympics and the Paralympics were managed by the same committee. So, hmm. unfortunately, I, none of my research went in that direction because <laughs> I didn't know that. I had no idea that there was a youth Olympics. Like, I guess those are the people whose parents, like, while the mother is pregnant with a the child, they're training for the Olympics. I have no idea. Instead of listening to Beethoven yeah. or whatever. <laughs> They're on the skis with a rifle. <laughs> Good old biathlon. Going to see that come up a few times. Stay tuned. <sighs> I took a look at the search data and shockingly, you know, every year it's very periodic. It kind of kind of spikes every yeah, couple of years. That. I don't know why. I don't know why that is. It's like when we looked at Christmas fandom. Mm. You know, it's like every... There seemed to be yeah. sort of cyclical. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so... The periodicity of that is not super surprising. The largest spikes in Olympic search data comes from the years of the Olympics, from 2004 onward, because that's all the data we have. But of interest to me, if you take a look at the spikes and you rank the most popular ones, the Summer Olympics come out on top in the order overall. Uh, summer 2008, which was in Beijing. Summer 2016, which was in Rio de Janeiro. Summer 2004 which was in Athens, Greece, summer 2012, which was in London, UK. Then you have the winter sports, which go most recent to least recent. So it looks like winter Olympics are becoming more popular, mm. and the summer Olympics depends where the heck they are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why... Beijing being the most interesting, apparently. I mean, I think China's just a big country with lots of people, and it's really popular. Yeah. Yeah. In the opening ceremonies... Yeah, I don't know why the Brits didn't care, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> that's their thing. Yeah, maybe that's why. <laughs> Great British apathy. <laughs> Separate from the spikes in interest for the particular games, if you look by region, uh, the top 10 countries interested in searching for the Olympics in order are China, mm -hmm. Canada, New Zealand, Australia, the UK, Iran, Uruguay, Hong Kong, the United States, and Japan. Hmm. You said that's in order? Uh, yeah, from most searched to least searched. Oh, wow. We're into it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine the Winter Olympics are a big factor. Mm -hmm. Yes. One where we have a chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of size of the fandom, it is always incredibly difficult to estimate, and nothing is more inestimable. That's a word, right? Inestimable? Yeah. Yeah than fans of the olympics given that it is a global phenomenon mm -hmm. looking at some of the data i was able to find from two articles one from uh, people 4900 medals and 6000 hours of tv which was about the real olympics and another one about the london olympics from the people article there were 510,000 attendees to the 2016 olympics including 10,000 athletes 
there were 9 million tickets sold for the 2012 Summer Olympics in London. And according to some news network, there were 3.6 billion people expected to watch the 2016 Summer Olympic Games. So, so like half of people. Yeah, I when I read that, I was like, 3.6 billion. There's like 7 billion people in the world. So like <laughs> someone somewhere just said, I don't know, like half of the people in the world are going to watch this. It's <laughs> a lot of fans. Yeah. So I say probably somewhere between the hundreds of millions and the low billions. Not that we can go to the high billions. <laughs> no, we don't have access to any high billions as of right now. No. <laughs> For a specific kind of just just plucked out at NBC, said it averaged uh, 27.5 million viewers. Okay. For the 2016 games behind London, which was about 30 million viewers. Okay. And that's like one. That's like one. Like, I think the US networks share it. Like, every Olympics, it rotates mm. to a different network. So I, I think they were the one covering it this time. Okay. So yeah, about a tenth of the states. Well, and I mean, and then you have to take that to other countries. So a lot, just like a lot of yeah. people. I did manage to get some trivia, a bunch of which comes from fanfic from Archive of Our Own. Oh boy. Uh, I, was, I was a little bit disappointed because there were only, only uh, a bit over 400 works. Hmm related to olympic real person fiction Man. by comparison a separate topic that we covered figure skating real person fiction had over 1200 <laughs> what yep I'm, it's gonna get yeah, worse yeah. let me keep going <laughs> I'm, I'm super excited okay hockey real person fiction which is not something that we've covered explicitly has no. over 8900 fanfics <laughs> Do you have a popular, most popular pairing? How many of those uh, are about the Maple Leafs winning the cup, right? Right? <laughs> Zero. No one believes that that can happen. Um, no one in their wildest fantasies. <laughs> people reserve those for like... Uh, no, I don't have anything. Um, and football real person fiction has over 10,000 fanfics. Huh. I mean, this this could just be how it's categorized, but like, not a lot of people are writing about the Olympics in terms of fanfic. Like, I guess I would have to be like, Olympics, like, usually you don't have the same athletes, first of all, competing at both the winter and summer games. No. no. And it's every four years, so you're not seeing too many repeat people. It's hard to become an Olympic star and keep going to Olympics so that you are associated with it. Yeah. Right. It's going to change over really quickly. Yeah. And unlike in other sports where, okay, maybe you're only in the gig for like two, maybe like three or four years or maybe five or 10, depending on the sport. Um, the Olympics only happen every four years on your sport. So after two Olympics, that's it. You're done. Yeah. But some fun data from that. More than 75% of the works are categorized as a uh, male slash male. Mm -hmm. in terms of the relationships the top three largest olympic sports fandoms because there was a, a generic sports real person fiction mm -hmm. and a generic olympics real person fiction is like don't care swimming at just under half figure skating uh, about 70 and speed skating about 50 interesting so we got we got <laughs> apollo ono <laughs> yeah <laughs> but not on the top three <laughs> yeah, we got 
<laughs> Gotta have Michael Phelps in there somewhere. There you go. Oh, yeah. That's Michael number Phelps. one. <laughs> Probably Ryan Lochte. Number two. Oh, hey. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> what was the, the middle? It said swimming is number one, speed skating with number three. Figure skating. Figure skating. Patrick Chan? No. Oh, man. Is no. is there a Tanya Harding, um, <laughs> what's her name, fanfic? That'd be, Nancy that'd be great. Nancy Kerrigan. <laughs> Uh, no. So, um, the top three Olympics RPF fanfics were Michael Phelps, like the, the people represented were Michael Phelps, who is a swimmer, as you mentioned, um, with more than 200 fanfics, Ryan Lochte, mm-hmm. which, who is also a swimmer with over 190 fanfics and J.R. Selsky, who is a speed skater who had more than 50 fanfics. Mm. Uh, I don't know who J.R. Selsky is other than that they are a speed skater. Let me look this guy up. I'm gonna guess Russian, but nope, American. Well, yeah, I get. Yeah, well, I get it. Could be, could be Russian. Could be playing for America. He's... He's American. Okay. Look, man, I looked it up. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Can't lie with data. Yeah, I get it. All right. You can lay with data though. Wait. Let's move on. Yeah, moving on. I do have <laughs> two other fun fast facts uh, about Olympics fandom, kind of, sort of. Not specifically about Olympics fans, but about the Olympics. Fans of BBC's Merlin run a small festival in conjunction with the Winter and Summer Olympics. The Merlin Olympics, as they're called, have been running since 2012. Um, I do not know what events transpired there, but there is a live journal account for those Olympics, and it's adult only, so... Boy, something magical, no doubt probably some more male slash male <laughs> pairings <laughs> probably maybe they're writing the fanfic Ooh, that could be that'd be pretty interesting the other fact that i have which is a little bit less surprising uh the doctor from doctor who has canonically visited yeah. the olympics on multiple occasions <laughs> oh hmm. okay 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 <laughs> Are we going to spend the rest of the episode figuring this think out? Of one, so. Oh, yeah. It's the one new Who episode I haven't seen. It's supposed to be terrible. <laughs> it's He was at the London Games, but the episode was made before the London, like two years before the London Games. <laughs> yeah. It was slightly in the future. So there was like a big petition to get him to actually carry the torch and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There is a recent episode, but apparently the first Doctor also attended the original Olympics. Olympics. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh, he probably just like said that. Yeah. It is apparently from one of the audio dramas. Ooh. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I cited it because I was just like, there's no way I'm going to list every single occurrence of <laughs> yeah, no. when the doctor did that. Because there's also mentions of the intergalactic Olympics, which are a Doctor Who thing, which are not related to this week's episode. <laughs> if you're from the future and you're listening to this episode, let us know how the <laughs> 20... 18 Olympics turnout. We'll cover the intergalactic Olympics in a future episode. <laughs> and I do mean a future episode. <laughs> Speaking of which, this episode is being recorded before the 2018 Winter Olympics, so it'll be interesting to see how things turn out. Gee, you, did you say that you had another bit of trivia before we continue on? Oh yeah, just my favorite piece of Olympic trivia. Is, which is, is it about the biathlon? Um, nope. Okay. <laughs> about the Netherlands. Oh, okay. (laughs) 
They have a total 110 medals won at the Winter Olympic Games. Four of them are not for speed skating. <laughs> Pick one thing and, and do it well. I mean, the Dutch kind of did that when they did trading. They're like, forget colonies. We're just going to trade everything. <laughs> did all right. They, they did okay. Java. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of speed skating events. Yeah, that's, that's true. It is the running of yeah. the winter. Olympics. The 100 meter, the 200 meter, the 400 <laughs> meter, the hurdles, the steeplechase, exactly. the relay, the whatever. Yeah. Exactly. A marathon. When are we going to get speed skating with hurdles, guys? That sounds dangerous and amazing. At the next X game. No, what is it? Red Bull Crash Ice. <laughs> what? That's what you're thinking of. Oh, is that the one with the like wavy? It's like a downhill skating <laughs> obstacle course. Wow. So if Spike TV were still around, oh, it would man. definitely be on that. <laughs> Stuff better give you wings going downhill on skates. Like, <laughs> and they're like jumps and stuff. Like, imagine if you fall. Like, <laughs> imagine if you land. <laughs> it's not really good either way no. is it <laughs> i mean there's there's been a, an image on imager floating around a bunch and it's these speed skaters who'd wiped out and this one australian guy who's like cheering and they're like this guy must be so proud he won just because these other people wiped out and they're like well actually in the qualifiers the same thing happened so this one guy got like a gold medal in the Winter Olympics, because everybody wiped out. <laughs> it is, uh, it is definitely the slam ball of Winter Games. <laughs> Taking a brief yes. departure from the Winter yes. Games and talking more about the Olympics at large, uh, let's circle around to the famous last words from last episode, and let's see what people had for us to try to figure out for this week. I'm going to start with Briley who is one of our special guests last episode from the Ontario Ghostbusters when we were talking about the Ghostbusters. Uh, he asked, when is Canada going to fund its fencing teams? Hmm. I don't know if either of you looked that up. <laughs> you said you had some information about this. I do. So the not so obvious, obvious answer is they will <laughs> probably start getting funded when they start winning medals. Ooh. And that's intended. Catch 22. Yeah. That's uh, not intended to be a sick burn, but as it turns out, the way that Canada hoards money is partly based on medals. So senior carded athletes in Canada get 1500 a month in base funding from the federal government. This can be augmented by the province or by other different organizations. By comparison, in the United Kingdom, athletes received 45000 annually, which is about two and a half times what you would make in Canada, just for being an athlete. Wow. For the... Rio Olympics, which is, I think, one of the years that Canada actually sent a fencing team. I don't know if it had done so in previous years, but I noticed that it has zero medals in fencing. But for the Rio Olympics, there was a $20,000 bonus available if you got a gold medal, $15,000 for a silver, and $10,000 for a bronze. Wow. So I guess the answer is when Canada wins some medals, they'll fund the team. I mean, literally, yeah. Yeah, literally, yeah. The answer is get good, basically. <laughs> yeah. Man, oh, man. I was hoping there was a more, like, I was looking for a snarkier answer, but, like, honestly, that's that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be waiting 
waiting, watching the email inbox now, waiting for the uh, Canadian Fencing Association and their repost. Uh, I like that one. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Adriana's famous last words were uh, more of a question to us, and that was, uh, what are our predictions for the Winter Games? Where do we think Canada will place? Hmm. Absolutely no insight into who's hot, who's not, all that. I'm going to say fourth overall in medal count. <laughs> this is more for the sheer gumption. The fact you're listening to this probably just before watching the opening ceremonies. Oh, yeah. Or a day after watching some of the curling, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you're listening to the beginning of the Olympics. You heard it here first. Number one. Number one, baby. We're going to do it. We're going to go all the way. I'll bump mine up to third. Incidentally, how do we do in Sochi? Not changing my answer. <laughs> but. Well, for me, I obviously took a bunch of data and crunched some... No, I looked at the medal <laughs> count overall, just like in general. I think Canada's going to do second overall, but I think it's going to get third for gold medals. Okay. Because Canada, like, historically has gotten fourth... Like, if you take all the medals that have been earned, Canada's got, like, the fourth most. But Russia is one of the spots higher, and it's not competing this year. That's right. Yeah. And the other one is Norway, and I just think that maybe it won a bunch of medals in the past, but maybe not this time. Fingers crossed. Norway? More like... No way. Oh, boy. (laughs) I was okay, too. (laughs) (laughs) Feeling generous. All right, we better take advantage of this benevolence. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we were number two in sochi so okay yeah i think Sorry. i stand a good Sorry. good chance yeah all right you heard it here first second <laughs> place right. they're gonna they're gonna come in third and then we'll all be wrong no <laughs> he revised his answer and said third yeah oh why did you revise your answer because you heard the russia was it well there is that but also the hype the hype of the opening ceremonies i don't want to I want to write it on anybody's Olympic parade as they sit down with their bag of chips and soda or whatever. I want to get a podium finish. Yeah. All right. G, your famous last words from last episode were, are there people who only pay attention to the Winter Olympics? Um, I couldn't find a lot supporting this, unfortunately. <laughs> like, hockey fans, yeah. If hockey is your favorite sport, then... You're only going to see it at the Winter Olympics. But mm-hmm. on the whole, I'll find a lot that people were all about uh, Olympic Games. As a matter of fact, South Korea is having trouble selling tickets Ooh. Oh. to the current Winter Olympics. Yeah. You want some cheap tickets. There's a lot of political stuff happening in there as well. Interesting. But, uh, yeah. So now, unfortunately... If you only watch the Winter Olympics and listen to this podcast, email us. com. Why? I'm very curious to hear. I feel like the season doesn't touch too much on when we get into the why. I feel like the season doesn't factor in much either way, so I understand. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Z, you had asked how many people actively cheer for countries other than their own. Well, it depends on how I define their own. <laughs> Essentially, boiling boiling everything down uh, that I found, it really just comes down to people tend to cheer for their home country, which might not necessarily be where they're currently living. 
Mm. So, you know, if somebody came over to Canada from India, they still feel very strong ties to India. They'll probably cheer for India. Maybe not in the winter games. Yeah. I don't know if they send anybody, but certainly in the summer games. I'm sure they do. So, yeah. Not a very common thing. And once we get into the why, we'll figure that out. All right. Mm-hmm. My question was, why do we still do the Olympics? Is it like daylight savings time? It is not like daylight savings time. <laughs> daylight savings time is the thing we do with clocks, and the Olympics <laughs> is a thing that we do with people. No. Uh, Technically, we also do daylight savings time with people. I mean, there's also no international daylight savings time committee. There probably is. It's probably the mm-hmm. ISO something or other. That's right. International Standards Organization. Headquarters, Saskatoon. <laughs> this is like a pandemic, right? We're just all <laughs> starting in Atlanta, Georgia, because that's where the Center for Disease Control is. Ooh. That's right. Except for like whatever the Olympics thing is. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. In a slightly more serious answer, I don't think I can provide an answer without getting into some of the why of why people are fans of the Olympics. All right. Let's go. Okay. Well, then I'm going to dive in there. All right. Why? So some of the reasons that the games exist are things like, you know, the Olympics are supposed to exist to promote international peace. And they're supposed to be a boon uh, in prestige and economy for the host city. They're supposed to encourage the greatest in athleticism by providing a world stage for people. So like those as lofty ideals may be some of the reasons why people still do the Olympics. But maybe the Olympics don't really do those things. It's possible. The Olympics are broken. Well, it's kind of like a do as I say, not as I do kind of thing. I don't know if the Olympics are broken, but they're not a fix. Like there's a lot of like once the Olympics comes to your town, people will just dump all their money into your people's hands and then leave. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, the infrastructure, all the buildings you build will be all returned tenfold. It doesn't quite do that. Like the country could be in like a bad situation before and then it has the Olympics and then it's back in the same situation afterwards. Yeah, there's been a lot of studies to show that um, in recent times, at least the economic whatever of the Olympics is actually negative, like technically worse off than you started. Yeah, I know Greece didn't have a great time <laughs> building all of the Olympic buildings and stuff. Yeah. No. Also, in the idea of like promoting international peace, like the Olympics shutting down during World War Two, yeah. not a great indicator of it's like let's do this to promote peace. It's like mm, not really a strong. Maybe if we do the Olympic Games, not exactly. Then. Yeah, well, not. I mean, all of Europe at the time was not exactly off to a good start with that. But uh, the Olympics in particular, you know, have uh, allowing uh, Hitler's Germany to host, not exactly uh, keeping that that peace mandate uh, top of mind at the time. Didn't quite work. No, no, that might have been the intention, but uh... yeah, yeah. But maybe moving a bit of away from why we still do the Olympics and into why are people fans of the olympics like what did what did the two of you find in your research all right i'm going to start with this um which comes up with kind of two sort of not entirely opposing but sort of 
two ends of the spectrum. So why people watch the Olympics. This is from Resonate.com, which I think focuses on um, advertising. Okay. And it's talking about kind of how to effectively advertise the Olympics. Mm. And it draws on, like, you need to, you know, check off these boxes for why people watch. And they basically say that it comes down to patriotism versus belonging. Sorry? Okay, so patriotism is like you want to root for your country. Your country is the best at the Olympics. You're going to win all the medals. And aren't you a great citizen promoting your country who's going to beat all the other countries and be the best country? Not naming any names. Um, <laughs> not naming a country. Acronym. Acronym. <laughs> well, I was going to say not naming any countries that have hosted the Olympics more than any other country in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It's a bit more erudite. <laughs> but, but, but the, and, the, and then on the other side of that is belonging, which is you're part of something that the whole world is participating it doesn't feel like you're more connected than when you're watching something that, from the sounds of it, half the world is watching. Mm-hmm. Sorry, when I when I heard you earlier, I thought you said blogging. And I was like, no, what? Blogging is not the opposite of patriotism. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Just checking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Belonging. Participating in something the world is participating in. Mm-hmm. And that kind of leads into, like, you know, the idea of peace. Everyone's in it together kind of thing. Yeah. Once come together, all the different colors, et cetera, et cetera. So that's like sort of the basic dichotomy it sets up of like two reasons why you get into the Olympics. And it has a bit of data for people who watch the Olympics for one reason versus another. So those motivated by patriotism are more likely to value energy efficiency. Uh, 16% right, marketing, of marketing. Get, Got, get it. Those Got it. Wind okay, turbines marketing. out front of those people, and yeah. solar panels. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Environmental preservation. 155% and health or 9%. Those who value belonging are more likely to be motivated by self-fulfillment, self-image and self-esteem. Hmm. So that I thought was interesting. Yeah. Sounds like a very wide net. Yeah. So I, I saw a similar thread along the unification angle around the belonging angle, because there was this article mm-hmm. on Huffington post um, talking about country first, the Olympic games, nationalism and the ultimate displays of fandom. I should point out, that I had the damnedest time trying to find (laughs) anything about the fans until I started, like, sometimes we cover a fandom and you don't need an angle because the fandom has its own bent. Yeah. Like, if you look up Homestuck, like, you don't need to come up with an angle. Like, it's its own thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's got its own view and and everything. But the Olympics... Yeah. So, Z and I were talking about before the podcast, I was like, okay, well, there's got to be something about, like, nationalism. And like, that was a good way to start getting some more in-depth discussions. Uh, but from this article, um, there was this interesting piece related to that, which was, these were fans who might not normally associate with each other at a sporting event, let alone share an embrace after an important point was won. Many of the fans wore the jerseys, hung banners, and waved flags, signifying their allegiances to their favorite Polish professional soccer teams, such as rivals Le- Legia Warsaw and Wisla Krakow. But none of it made a difference to these fans. Between every single point, they rose together, cheered together, and sang together. And when Poland pulled out a thrilling victory, they celebrated together. And that's like a nice illustration of how these people, who obviously have very large differences, Mm -hmm. I guess it's a combination of the belonging aspect, because they're participating in a world thing, but also the patriotic aspect. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. 
they have their differences, but they're all Polish in the end. Yes. As contrasted to another article that I read about how things had gone in Rio de Janeiro and about how this French pole vaulter was pole vaulting and the Brazilians in the audience were just like booing the person. <laughs> not, not, be- not because they hate pole vaulting, not because <laughs> they hate the French, just because they weren't the Brazilian. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah. it's very easy to identify your team during the Olympics. Yeah. I mean, as as Zoo went over, they're kind of as many people grew up in another country or came from another country and still have a lot of ties to that. But it's like it's pretty like, oh, I like, you know, the Nashville Predators because X, Y, and Z. Man. But in the Olympics it's very simple. It's the country you're in. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, there's the occasional Jamaica in bobsled. <laughs> One likes an underdog story. Yes. Who was it in the Vancouver Olympics? There was like two people from like a a tropical country in the Winter Olympics. Oh. It's not super important, but I just like that is a similar moment where it's just like people rooting for that unlikely character, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Talking about the belonging part a little bit more. When I was doing the research. I like dreaded this because I was worried that there would be absolutely nothing to dredge up about Olympic fans because it seemed like, you, you know, we talked about figure skating fans in a previous episode. Mm-hmm. We've talked a little bit about fans of the Maple Leafs and a little bit about fans of fantasy football. And so there's kind of an intersection with real football, but like I was struggling to find something for fans of the Olympics. But what I figured, what I found was probably what is the case with Olympic fandoms and that is, and this is not something that I thought that I would ever say on the show, and that is that Olympic fans are probably the best example of casual fandom. Hmm. And in the Olympics, casual fandom is probably the best possible thing for any fandom ever. Like, we've gone on at length talking about how a fan is anyone who says that they're a fan of something, right? Yeah. Yeah. And normally I'm like, ah, that's stupid. That's useless. That doesn't <laughs> help us with the podcast. That doesn't help anyone understand anything. Yes. But it is the perfect example in Olympics fandom because everybody is casually a fan or not everybody, but a lot of people are just casual fans of the Olympics. And unlike in many other fandoms, casual fans of the Olympics are not berated. Mm -hmm. Z, if you were a fan of DC Comics, I don't know that you are, but you know, Superman. Yes. Yeah, of course. Yes. Those. Yes. Yes. Mm, Um, And you're talking with people and they're like, oh, well, you know, have you read this comic? And you're like, well, no. And it's like, have you read this one? No. And that's like, well, you're not a real fan. That doesn't happen with Olympic fans. (laughs) No. Because that would be stupid. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't stay up until 4 a.m. to watch the luge. Yeah. You don't know all 10,000 athletes in the Olympics. (laughs) Like why in this year's Olympics? Why even bother? Just forget that. Obviously, you're not a fan. You don't have any bets on who's going to hook up in the Olympic Village? Come on. Do they release that, that at the end of the games? <laughs> I mean, maybe somewhere. <laughs> so, like, that is such a great example of, like, the belonging. Because in most mm-hmm. fandoms, the belonging comes from fan activity. But with the Olympics, the belonging comes from this, well, we may not know about the sport or these athletes or whatever, but we're all unified by, like, this thing that's happening everywhere. Yeah, a really good example of that is the uh, refugee team that they put together for the 2016 games that they're putting together again for the 2020 games. What? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Is that the UEN team or whatever it's called? 
I believe so, yeah. Or UNE, United Nations Equipe, which is team in French. Mm-hmm. Yeah. According to the uh, to one of the uh, members of that team, the Congolese judoka, uh, hopefully I'm not mispronouncing the name too terribly, uh, Popole Misenga, people were happy that a part of us represented us in a fight in Rio de Janeiro. So like that's just a really good example of that, where people identified with the group. I mean, that doesn't have that same sort of national signifier that other like that countries would but that has that i guess label that signifier of being refugee brought everybody together and like i didn't i didn't really look at the numbers for the facebook page for that team but like the wall was just filled with posts and comments and like a lot of a lot of positive energy a lot of positive statements you can't cheer against that team. you, you see they're yeah. in, they're in a game like no way, man. You got to root for their guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's that underlying humanity angle as well. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, he was talking about like how it's sort of perfect for like casual fans, in that you'd be like, hey, man, did you see the you know synchronized diving the other night? Leave it like, no, but they will have a very slight interest in hearing about it from you because it's a good mm-hmm. chance you know your country had some people in there. You'd be like, we won, or we got bronze, or whatever. Yeah. And then it's kind of, kind of like, as you fill each other in on stuff you you know normally wouldn't be that interested in. There's kind of you can create a bond over over that sort of thing as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely something that makes the Olympics like not only something that people it's easy to be a casual fan of, but something where it's almost better that I want to say the majority of fans are casual fans mm-hmm. because it just makes it so much easier to feel like you belong to something. Yeah. If it was super exclusive, that would just not be a factor at all. Yeah, no. I guess by the same token, it's kind of like when we talk about fandoms, like often we talk about experienced fans, fans who know mm-hmm. things about the thing that they're talking about. And for those mm-hmm. types of fans, like in anything, there's always more to explore. But it's kind of like you have a rough map of the lay of the land and you're like fleshing in the details. But if you're talking about casual fans, or in this case, fans of the Olympics, it's like you have a map that has nothing on it. You have you are here and you have anywhere to go. And you're like, there's my country and there's other countries and the games and the players. Yeah. There's this fun quote from an article on The Ringer, which kind of like <laughs> illustrated how casual the fandom of the Olympics are. So it, it was called the Summer Olympics is the height of armchair fandom. And it continues on, featuring 306 events and 42 sports over 19 days, it brings a fan experience unlike that of any major sport. For viewers, the most notable difference might be that many just don't know very much about what they're watching. Certainly, fencing, archery, and table tennis had their share of diehards, people who feverishly track the results of the FINA World Championships and the Judo Grand Prix. But every Olympic cycle, they are joined by hordes and hordes of much more casual fans who descend with passion and patriotism and single-minded devotion for a few days every four years and then go back to obsessing over Tom Brady, suspension news, and A-Rod rumors, and it is great. Here is what the average fan knows about the average Olympic contender. He or she, one, is from a usually small town in somewhere. Two, has trained more or less since gaining the ability to stand on two feet. Three, (laughs) is blessed with a devoted family and coach. Four, has a winning smile. And five, really wants this. Mm -hmm. But like, take that mentality of casual Olympic fandom and apply that to anything else. And just like... (laughs) No way. 
Yeah. It's just like it, it either doesn't happen or it is crushed. Just to add on to that, what's what's neat is that like, although there are stories that you know that you'll find out, and I'm gonna get to that a bit more in a second. Like you don't need to know any history at all. No. This guy's trying to run from here to here faster than all the other guys are trying to run from there to there. <laughs> That's all you need to know. So, like, I'm sure there's a curative side. Oh, obviously. Metal results, etc. Yeah, yeah. Times. It doesn't matter at all to enjoy the, any of the games. No. Yeah, I mean, you can take it at whatever level you want. You can take it at the surface level, like run from point A to point B. Yep. You can take it at, like, like, like not actually levels, but, like, you can take it to that national perspective it's like this country is doing well you can take it to the individual athletes um and many fans just like with other sports like whether it be hockey or football or whatever are fans of individual athletes Mm -hmm. since i have the chance shout out to a hopeful future olympic athlete and all-around all-star john fish who is also one of the donators to the race against time oh hey uh yeah Mm -hmm. kid's a superstar (laughs) but like Hope to see you up there biting on the gold someday. Huh. But but like not knowing too much about his past experience with like running, but like there's another ex- example of it's like people get invested in the stories of the individuals and that's like yet another layer of involvement in Olympic fandom. And arguably it's like, well, that's really just you know, track and field fandom, but it's at the Olympics. Like, sure, but that's kind of what the Olympics is. It's a bunch of sports. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing I was going to bring up for, like, just in general, like, like one of the aspects of the why. People love the personal stories of the athletes. Yeah. Yeah, we saw that in the figure skating episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the Olympics, you know, for the figure skating to have meaning, you kind of have to be tuned into figure skating. You kind of have to know, you know, this competition means this. Like, all the Japanese fans coming over to, like, London to watch that one competition that was local. Yeah. But the Olympics, everybody who's, like, aware of media aware of culture probably has a decent idea of what the olympics are yes and how big a deal they are yeah so you see you know this person had a bad childhood was raised you know streets and like worked attained and got to this level let's see if they'll do it or and here's where a bit of the history does come in and they announcers will always explain this if it's the case it's like last year they at the last second they tripped or they you know they had an injury and couldn't compete to their fullest of their ability, so they didn't they didn't make it. But this time, you know, they're gonna go for the gold kind of thing. And that mm-hmm. stuff people love. You know, there's an interesting story that um I mean you could say even there's a little bit of escapism there. A tiny bit. Like projecting Well, no, no not not even projecting, just like there's a narrative that evolves. Yeah. So you're kind right. of like, you know, getting lost in that. But I open quite a few articles that responded to like why do you watch the olympics and Mm -hmm. i got a lot of different answers another one is like as an example of human potential yeah that okay that is an interesting thing for the olympics in particular because the olympics has changed a lot since it was incepted as i'd mentioned it kind of has these laudable goals one of which is to encourage the greatest in athleticism by providing a world stage and to some degrees when the Olympics began, it was amateurs. It was not people who were professional athletes. Hmm. However, that has changed, notably in areas such as hockey, where previously only amateurs would have been allowed to compete. And now you can have professional, and by professional I mean like members of the National Hockey League, the NHL, can participate. 
So while there's this element of like seeing the best, it's like the ideals have changed a bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's weird because you're like, I also want to see people do the best. It's like, cool. To do the best, we need to drug people up. <laughs> Drugs are bad. But like, that's the only, like we've. Russia knows a thing or two about that. Yeah. Yeah. But like performance of athletes has like reached a peak and a lot of the gains are very marginal. So like, it's just a really interesting circumstance to to be in if people are watching it to see the height of athleticism yes complete well not a complete tangent but i was at a panel at magfest and they were talking about game balance uh and they were talking about like when does game balance start and they were talking about online games but they brought on the concept to talk about games in general like sports and for games they're like when does game balance start is like is it at the player selection screen is it at the match or maybe it's even earlier, like maybe when you start the game, could all players get the same outcome if they all pick the same character? And in that case, the answer is yes, but it's not super helpful for game design. Mm -hmm. But they were talking about it from sports, talking about it genetically. And that in things like the Olympics, there are people who as a combination of training and genetics are going to be able to outperform other people regardless of how much training or talent they may have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the talk, that's why they brought up like different classes like in boxing you have weight classes and and things like that but it's interesting from the perspective of the olympics because that means there are going to be some underdogs that are never going to be able to win sadly no but we don't know until it happens right yeah neither do they no that's true Mm -hmm. but but like more like like this guy won a gold medal you know for doing a butterfly for ten thousand meters what did you do today Finished my bag of chips and my case of soda Well, watching exactly. him do those butterflies. Yeah, if you're Michael Phelps, you would need to eat all this. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, I believe, a 10,000 calories a day man when he's oh training. Oh my god. Wow. That is so many calories. <laughs> <laughs> and like a bunch of that has to be protein, so that's just a lot. It's a lot of chicken breast. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Stupid neutral. <laughs> yeah. You get tired of eating. <laughs> I mean, you could eat a bunch of cheese or like True. a really rich cake or something. <laughs> but that's probably not what he's eating. Well, you know what they say about eating? It's a marathon, right? Yep, that's, that's right. That's what they say. Yeah, you gotta eat through the pain. They also say eat through the pain, that's yeah. right. That one I've heard before. <laughs> it's extraordinary performance that you don't encounter every day. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is definitely true. And it's it seems a little bit weird at the Olympics as well, because the first time I remember watching the Olympics was the um, Atlanta. 96. Yeah. And I remember seeing like WR and OR, like world record and Olympic record. Yeah. And I was like, well, this, these are the Olympics. These are supposed to be the best athletes in the world. How could somebody possibly have done better elsewhere? Or alternatively, like, who cares? Yeah. Like, this is supposed to be the place. So it's weird because we use the Olympics as this example of people exercising exceptional athleticism, which it absolutely is. But it's also not the only case. But it's the only case that people see or care about. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's another, that's another thing, too, that I wrote down. And this was kind of my own contribution, just thinking about it. Olympics are very easy to understand. 
like how the structure works. Mm-hmm. If you're one of the three best in a competition, <laughs> you get a medal. <laughs> Unlike every other sport competition, there's no like, well, if you do this, then you go on to regionals, mm-hmm. and then you go on to that, and then you do, then the top four of this, like, there's none of that. No. This is it. This is the top. Get medals or don't get medals. <laughs> and Well, no, once you get through the Olympics, you go to the Intergalactic Olympics. That's right. Of course. Covered on a future episode. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Like, to me, that just amplifies the whole personal aspect of it, the whole personal story aspect of it, because, you know, maybe there is some element of escapism in there. Armchair athletes are enjoying seeing themselves do those butterflies across the pool. But, like, instead of having to go through all that, that sports tape, if you will, of the regionals and nationals and whatever... It's just direct. So that just makes like the individual matter all the more within like the context of that sport. With some exceptions, it doesn't matter if the team wins. It matters if, how that individual does. Yeah. Which makes like the personal stories even more inspiring because it's like, hey, you know, maybe you're not trying to shoot all the targets while skiing past at high speeds in your day to day life, but like, you know, you do hard stuff too get out of bed go to work you like hunt down work you like deal with people that you wouldn't want to deal with or whatever you know you just go through hardships in life i think that people kind of relate those much more visceral hardships of uh, of sport to those that they Mm. they see in their day-to-day lives i will ask if you know that the biathlon involves them stopping and aiming the gun really stationary target yeah (laughs) really i thought oh i thought the whole thing was in motion Nope. Oh, oh no. man. Yeah. Well, have you? I'll be another. You better watch it this time. <laughs> See, Uller, the hunting and skiing gods, <laughs> wasn't the hunting and skiing gods. He was the hunting <laughs> god and he was the skiing god. <laughs> right. There's a separate right. god for hunting and skiing. Of course. It'd be like if there was a horseback archery event. Oh, man. Oh, my God. That would be... A... Sorry, wait. That is a thing. That's just not part of the Olympics. <laughs> yeah. Horseback archery world. There's definitely a thing. I assume Mongolia. Uh, I can't remember what it's... It, probably. World archery Federation. You know what? I'm not doing this research on the air. It's a thing. <laughs> yeah. Believe me. But, yeah. Yeah. So, when you watch it this time, Z, you'll notice they ski to stations where there are targets and then shoot them and then continue skiing all right so all right. that takes some of the excitement out it, it does it does take a little bit of the excitement out but you know <laughs> i'll manage i'll manage it's like it's like someone would get shot if that's what <laughs> well they wouldn't all be the on the camera at the same time i mean <laughs> See, now I just want to do an episode on how Z thinks Olympic events work. You got to shoot all the rings. Yep. You're skiing by them. Yep, exactly. You got to jump on your shield and uh, surf down the hill. I would watch the crap out of that. (laughs) But I mean, talking about, and somehow I'm going to tie this together, (laughs) talking about jumping on a shield and going down a hill, like doing that. I think that's an interesting thing about the Olympics is the the tension, right? Like maybe, maybe you're skiing and your ski breaks. Like they're not going to restart the the race. Nope. No. If you are that uh, Australian speed skater and the other skaters 
wipe out. Like, I mean, if you're a really good person, I imagine you'd be like, hey, can we redo the race? This is clearly not fair. But like, I don't expect that. You're not under an obligation to do that. No, no, no. You just be like, nope, got this. That kind of attitude doesn't get you far in speed skating. <laughs> no. It was pretty cutthroat. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably another aspect of the why. Like, obviously, in most sports that we've talked about, there is an element of tension. But, like, fundamentally, at the end of the day, this professional athlete is going to get paid some number in the hundred thousands to millions of dollars in addition to whatever sponsorships they have mm-hmm. to do what it is they do win or lose maybe winning has some bonus but probably doesn't matter especially if you're the leafs as we've talked about <laughs> but in the olympics like as you mentioned g it's like the top of the top you are mm-hmm. the best of the best of the best of the best yeah mm-hmm. and as we heard about canadian fencing team mm-hmm. not only does a gold medal or a silver medal mean the difference of like so much money in terms of what you are getting paid like to live on it's also the difference between like you know if you win that's like prestige and like very maybe a small amount of political clout for your country especially mm-hmm. if you're competing in an area that your country doesn't normally win in true yeah like you're literally performing on the world stage and the high stakes individually nationalistically makes it this very interesting thing that we want to watch thinking back to figure skating when you're watching like different nationalities compete and there's their individual narratives but like when it plays out on the world stage it's got this other aspect that makes it more exciting Mm -hmm. true yeah I have some preliminary theories about how people are going to lie. We're going to lie. <laughs> or you mean where I people I have some will... preliminary theories where people are going to end up on their interest or okay. lack of interest in the Olympics. <laughs> oh, I, thought you, I thought you meant literally. Lie? I was just going to lie. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it is, oh my it goodness. is the verdict, right? Uh... Might I remind you, sir, that you are under oath. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Boy. That's why my hand was on that book at the beginning of this podcast. Now I understand. <laughs> gotcha. <sighs> All right. I'm going to get the verdict kicked off. The verdict sure. being, of course, the chance where we have any closing remarks or saying our interest or lack of interest in the thing we're talking about. I would say that I am out. I am not particularly interested in the Olympics. As compelling as it can be, as the individual stories can be compelling in that there is a sense of belonging that can be had just by knowing it's like, hey, the Olympics are on, like, how are we doing, etc. And there's that opportunity to connect with other people. I just do not care. It probably mostly has to do that I do not have network television. I do not watch network television. So I would literally have to go out of my way to go and consume the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Probably has a lot to do with that, but assuming it's not that, I just don't have any particular interest. So I'm out. Best of luck to Canada, other countries, wherever you're from. Don't care. Good luck. Do a good job. Oh, except for John Fish. If you make it to the Olympics, please do your best. Yes. All right. I can go in there. <laughs> All right. <yep. laughs> so if going into your web browser and typing like olympics.com or whatever is too difficult, then I guess it's too difficult for you. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, 
I've been revealed as a fraud. <laughs> it's it's as easy as turning on the TV and changing okay. the channel. But anyway, <laughs> okay, I don't want to. It doesn't change your first. I realize. Anyway, it doesn't really change things. Um. So I, as I have always been since probably the Sydney Games, two thousand. I am in. Ooh. I'm not a record keeper. I don't keep track of too many of the athletes. But I love watching the Olympics. I don't watch sports unless it's the Olympics. Hmm. But during the Olympics, I'll watch almost anything. I still, I'm still not interested in like hockey. But let's see, let's see what we got here. Biathlon, of course. Bobsled, cross country, sure. Curling, speed skating, luge, mm-hmm. all of it. Ski jump, skeleton, <laughs> all of it. I'll watch it all just, just so I can watch it with everyone else. So I can watch it with the world. I love the feeling of going into like a restaurant or something and it's just on, on the TV. Everyone's kind of watching it. And it's not even one of the big events, but just, you know, it's a curling semifinal or something. <laughs> and I get into it. You know, I'll learn about sports that I didn't know anything about before. I think the world aspect gets me excited for it and seeing kind of the flavor that each host country brings to its Olympics. I kind of like seeing aesthetically how it's laid out and kind of what top athletic competition looks like. Mm-hmm. So I am in. Cool. Especially now that we have a chance this year. <laughs> you heard it here first. G says Canada is number one. Canada number one. <laughs> I don't man. If it's in the biathlon, we'll be number one with a bullet. All right, well, that, uh, that brings it around to me. That's right. And I'm going to say that, uh, eh, like, mostly. Uh, you know what? I'm not even going to say mostly out. I'm just out. If it's on, I'll watch it. I can understand the draw. Well, even though I feel like the spirit of the ancient Olympic Games compared to the spirit of the modern Olympic Games is different, I think both of them really played up the whole idea of belonging. And I think even though... Uh, Countries don't often exile people for, for heinous crimes these days. It was a fairly common thing back back in ancient times. I think that just speaks to like the human need to feel belonging in something mm-hmm. greater than just yourself. It's definitely something the Olympics mm-hmm. give. Um, I won't like initiate an Olympic-style boxing match with somebody who tells me some results of an Olympic uh, a game or whatever, but... <laughs> Even if it's just going into my browser and typing olympics.com or olympics.ca. By the way. Probably not going to do that. If that's the actual website, please just like <laughs> Google it or whatever. But it's not like super complex. Anyway. Olympics.com actually leads to the uh, dark web. Uh, different Olympics altogether. Good boy. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah. So I understand the draw, but I'm just going to say a note. Given to the tribalism lurking in your lizard brain. Come on. <laughs> Maybe when the Summer Olympics roll around and, and fencing's on the table again. Mm. See, that, that was the other thing. When I thought about it for a second, I kept thinking about the Winter Olympics. Mm-hmm. I'm slightly more inclined to watch the Summer Olympics just because there is more variety. I like them yeah. all. <laughs> because, like, the Winter Olympics is like ice. What are you going to do with ice? Skate. There's like a million skatings. And then it's like skiing. What are you going to skiing? A bunch of skiing. And then it's like, I don't know, a lot of variations on a theme. I know there's a lot of running in the Summer Olympics, but there's also <laughs> a lot of other things that are not running. Yep. So here's a thing that I'm wondering. Why don't they do like weightlifting, for example, during the winter? 
like as one example. Why the U.S. sucks at Olympic lifting. Okay. <laughs> Weightlifting is not commonly done outside. <laughs> well, Google doesn't have an immediate answer, so <laughs> definitely not an answer to that. We talked a bit about when they split the games up from happening in the same year. Yeah. But I guess when they were putting together the Winter Games, they like especially if they were already in the same year, they probably didn't want to like have indoor games as part of the winter games because you can do indoor games at any time so why not yeah summertime because summer has the summer games and then the all the time games yeah so like yeah i found no answers so we'll have to revisit that when we talk in a future episode about the intergalactic olympic games oh that's right that reminds me one more thing i've got to tack on to my conclusion oh on reddit I found a thread about this little article pamphlet thing from like the 70s that guessed that in 2020, the Olympics would be held on the moon. Well, and the colony there known as Armstrong would want to hold the Olympics to gain some prestige because that's just how big the Olympics are. (sighs) If you want your intergalactic colony to become important to the people of Earth then you just have to have the Olympics. It's how you do it. Man. That wouldn't even... What? (laughs) Well, you settle for Tokyo. (laughs) You couldn't couldn't hold the Olympics on the moon. It would be completely different. It'd be like the moon Olympics. Like, it'd be its own thing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and also, people on the moon Olympics couldn't compete on the Earth Olympics because it would literally kill them. No, because like growing up in space, there's like a lower gravity, so there's mm-hmm. less bone density. So you come to Earth, and your bones would be super weak, and you just like die. Oh man! There was an episode of Planets that kind of tackled that. The Moon Olympics. The Moon. Well, didn't act whatever. <laughs> it was seventies. People were more full of hope than they were of of facts. I want to say. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> Simpler time. All right. Speaking of hope, I'm going to take us into the spotlight and uh, shine our spotlight on a related charity. This week, that charity is going to be the Special Olympics of Canada. Special Olympics is about sports, but it's also about so much more for children, youth, and adults with an intellectual disability, the Special Olympics becomes a place of welcome, a place where they will be accepted for who they are and given the chance to be their best. Your support allows Special Olympics Canada to provide the program's mentorship and resources required by their athletes, coaches, and volunteers to change the lives of thousands of individuals with an intellectual disability across Canada. That's right. This week, it's Special Olympics Canada, and if you would like to donate to that cause... You can check out specialolympics.ca slash donate. I tried really hard to find like a group of fans that had some sort of charity, but as previously mentioned, being a very casual fandom, hard to do. So the next best thing, Special Olympics. I like a lot of people don't don't think of it as a fandom, right? No. Because of how casual it is. Yeah, it's just like a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's super mm-hmm. cash. Yeah. I mean, because sports is like just that echelon above casualness that's right yeah yeah like i like baseball it's like ah, i'm a baseball fan i'm in it yeah but you don't assume that everyone is a sports or baseball fan 
A lot of people usually correlate fan with minority, but it's not necessarily the case. Mm -hmm. If you listen to this podcast, Anthropological, and iTunes, please hit the subscribe button so you get a fresh new episode uh, every Friday, as well as leave a rating or review for us to uh, let people know what's going on over at the pod. This podcast is Fanthropological, but we three are the next cast, and you can find all of our exploits on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at the next cast. If you have any comments or suggestions for topics you'd like to see us cover on the show, email us, nickatthenextcast.com. We'd love to hear from you, or just hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Get at us. Uh, you can also find us at patreon.com slash thenextcast. You might be wondering what Patreon is, and if you don't know, it is a place where you can become a patron of the artists that you know and love, like us. So, for as little as a dollar a month, you can help us produce the content that we make, this podcast, any convention coverage that we do, interviews with guests like the uh, Ontario Ghostbusters, as we've done previously, the Next Cast Arcade, any of that stuff. Every amount that you donate helps us to produce that work and we have a list of goals on the patreon that tells you what it goes towards which maybe needs revision but whatever you can check that out at patreon.com slash the next cast and again we really appreciate your support and if you're currently listening to this as a podcast first off i'm gonna have to uh, ask you to put down those five rings uh, apparently they are not how you win the olympics and then i'm going to also have to ask you to tune in why don't you? To the live recordings of these podcasts every Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Time at twitch.tv slash the Nixcast. That's twitch.tv slash the Nixcast, 8 p.m. Monday nights to see us, the three Nicks, record this podcast live. And you know, why tune in live? Well, first off, first off, you get to see this thing before anybody else does. Second, you can participate. You can ask us questions throughout the show. You can throw in your comments. We can respond to them, have a little conversation going, as well as the usual discussion. And also, you can participate in maybe the most important to participate in part of the show, <laughs> the famous last words. Famous last words. Right, you are Z. And next week, mm -hmm. the famous last words will be about overwatch fandom i wrote up some stuff so i'm gonna ask what are your famous last words zng hmm. i'm curious if there are players who make a point as trying to embody the character that they're playing uh, like in their gameplay over trying to win okay kind of like they play in strict accordance to like that character's personality yes as opposed to just trying to like okay. be the best at the game kind of like how the i don't mean this in a sincere way i mean it in like a generalized way like how the ideal cosplayer is embodying the character that's right versus just wearing a costume hmm. right okay cool. i have three questions only one of which i am likely to answer my questions are will i play overwatch before next week's episode <laughs> Other one being, seriously though, why is Hanzo main a bad thing? I don't know anything about Overwatch. But my serious question is, how wide is the divide between curative and transformative aspects of the Overwatch fandom? Hmm. 
All right. My question is, in holiday 2016, Blizzard released a little comic, a little holiday comic, showing what all the characters from Overwatch were getting up to. In that comic, there was a bombshell about one of the characters who had featured prominently in ads and kind of the face of the game. I want to learn, how did fans react when Blizzard said, confirmed, that the character Tracer is a lesbian? How did the fans take that news? I'm sure some in a very positive way and some in an awful negative way, which we will get into next week. I don't know what you're going to find, but I do know that you are going to find lots of things. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. And that's it for this week's show. Thank you everyone for listening and we will see you next week to talk about fans of Overwatch. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye.